Hello, everybody. Welcome back once again to the Long Monday podcast presented to you by Atlantic Stage. Uh, my name is Steve Harley. I'm here with uh, our uh, usual group of co-hosts, Mike Kane, Jason Adams, and Caleb Salibi. Um, you know, we kick around a lot of topics here on the Long Monday to talk about in future episodes. And one of the ones we had kicked around was uh, speaking to some directors and uh, how they like to direct actors and their relationship to them. But one of our listeners and um, a person who has attended many of our plays at Atlantic Stage and is a very astute uh, uh, theater patron. He sees a lot of shows and has a lot of great opinions about him. His name is Don Baker. And he suggested, well, you know, we've you know, heard there's tons of books about directing. We've heard a lot of conversations. What about you guys talking about as actors what you like about directors and what you don't prefer in a director, what you think might be best for the show and, and what's best for you? and how that may translate to the stage itself. So that's sort of what we wanted to talk about here a little bit and uh, open the floor up a little bit. So um, I think we all as actors probably have pretty clear preferences, I hope, about what we like and don't like and what we've seen works and doesn't. Um, anybody have an experience that sort of sticks out to you immediately as something that was a, a technique or, a, or something that a director tried with you where you're like, wow, that was really productive and, and really got the result we both wanted? Yeah, I've got an experience with with a couple of directors, and I think my favorite attribute, just you know, to start us off, I think my favorite attribute in a director is when they just ask questions. Like they don't tell you how to do something. They don't they don't necessarily give you a straight answer for what they want. They ask you enough questions so that you arrive on your own in your uh, on your own to the decision that they want you to make. And so it's like art of negotiation skills almost, but it's it's really because then at that point, as the actor, you're able to you know have more of a sense of ownership over those things because now you have it was in your head you came up to this conclusion, but they were the ones that led you there. They were the guide, they they guided you to that particular conclusion, and ultimately that's what they wanted you to get to anyway. But I think, in my opinion, I enjoy working with a director that asks a lot of questions, like. Why did you make that choice? What is this choice? What is this choice saying in the context of this play? Um, what's what's happening right now inside your character's head? You know, things like that. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, that promotes ownership of the role, you know, and, and, and also, uh, you know, collaboration. So, yeah, I like that. Yeah, I like that. I mean, I, I would I, I'd have um, for me, it's it's, um, it's always been, I, I guess, the type of actor that I am. I've had the the luckiness of for me the big things that I always look for is um I guess repetition. I like a director that's going to let let us rehearse a scene about a thousand times. That um that's something I always look for, and it's like you know nothing's a wrong choice. Let's just try a bunch of times to, to sort of find out and suss out and feel what's right. Um, you know, I've had the the pleasure of working with a few directors who've definitely done that a lot. Um, two of them that always come to mind is uh, Gwendolyn who's worked with us before we were doing driving Miss Daisy. We would go into rehearsal for scenes uh, in that. And be, I just remember the scenes with me and Sandy Shackelford and Gwendolyn would be like, let's do that scene again, but let's think about what's your relation from her. You know, how long have you lived together? You know, think about do you, how far do you live from her? And, you know, all these just like life questions and you, you, you do it again and you do it again, you do it again. And she's like, okay, that worked there. Good from there. How do you feel about that? Let's try it again. Let's try it again. So, I mean, you'd work a scene so many times that you were so comfortable with it. It felt like you were just doing it, you know, with a friend at that point and you were just, just going it over and over again. And another person who did that a lot was Robin Russell when I was in college, it was sort of the same way. It's sort of like, try it again, try it again. And, and they both kind of had the fact that nothing's wrong. 
So you're not, you, you know, you, you can make a choice. Maybe it's not a wrong choice at first, but eventually you'll sort of find the right choice. You know, um, I, I've always liked to work with actor. I mean, directors that sort of, they let you feel comfortable in doing it. Comfortable in making mistakes um, is always a big one for me. This is going to sound odd, but there are times where, I mean, I've had a plethora of directors from various backgrounds who various ages too, which is something I also want to address. But for um, Steve, you actually, I'm actually giving an anecdote here. You were actually in the scene with me that I'm about to talk about. There was the show we did a couple years ago called Adverse Effects, um, which was directed by Ben Soda. And part of the direction of Ben is that Ben is a very physical movement based person. He has backgrounds in movement. He teaches movement at coastal. So he's very interested in the movement of characters and like anticipation of direction and where they're going and all this stuff. Um, Ben, I love Ben as a director. It was a very different experience for me in my career at that point with directors in that approach. Um, One thing that Ben loved to do is something Jason, you mentioned, which is repetition of just do it again, literally stop, start over, do it again. Um, which can be very frustrating for an actor. And this is the anecdote I'm giving. There's this scene um, with me and Steve's character. And um, my character is sort of this local reporter who's trying to get a crackdown on this um, pharmaceutical agency and you know trying to see if there's any exploitation going on and things like that. Steve happens to work for this company. And so um, there's this moment where I'm sort of ambushing Steve um, on a college campus. And Steve, you can speak to this as well. But there's Ben's direction early on in rehearsals for this scene was, Mike, you have to stop Steve physically. You have to stop him from getting past you. And I'm like, okay, psh, got it. Absolutely. And so we start doing the scene and Steve gets past me and Ben's like, stop, start over. And I'm like, okay, all right. One slip up. No problem. I'll, I'll get him this time. Steve gets past me again and again and again and again. And it was the slightest, even if Steve got like his shoulder past me, right? Ben would be like, stop, do it again. And it's just like, oh my God. And we probably ran it. I don't remember Steve. It felt like 30 times before it finally came to something that Ben enjoyed. Now, in the moment, I was very frustrated with Ben. Of course I was, right? I was frustrated. I'm like, why don't you like anything I'm doing, yada, yada. But afterwards, Ben told me, you know, I did that because the anticipation, the frustration that's in you has to come through the scene as well. And part of the reason I made you keep doing it was that I could see you getting frustrated. And that came across in your body language, which is something you are frustrated with Steve's character, right? You want to uh, you want to address him in this way. So, I mean, and I was like, that was genius. That was brilliant. Even though in the moment I was very frustrated, after the fact, I think it really allowed the performance to come alive more. So yeah. that's one moment where it's like, in the moment I was very frustrated with the director, but Ben was intelligent and smart enough as director to know that this is what I needed for my character. Um, Steve, I don't know if you remember that exact rehearsal. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, I remember that, you know, <clears throat> obviously I've been doing this, you know, quite a bit longer than you just cause I'm old, but um, you know, somebody gives me an assignment like that. I, uh, I'm going to try as hard as I can and I'm going to keep doing it. You know what I mean? Like uh, my dad taught me that with sports, you know, if you got somebody down, keep kicking them because it's up to them to, to, to um, stop you. Yeah. Well, it's true. I don't care if you're playing yeah. tennis or golf, whatever, step on their neck because it's not your fault. You're killing them. They need to figure out how to beat you. Right. So that's what we did. But I will say this. Um, and you did. You rose to it. And well, it was just a good directing move from Ben. Right. Like you said, he, he made you he, he yeah. got you to intellectually funnel what you were feeling into the performance. What I will say about it is this. That scene, I think, was there two of those similar scenes? There's one at the end. too. 
There was, um, yep. They both had mm-hmm. juice, man. They they both had juice. I felt things when we were doing those scenes. Uh, part of it was the repetition. Yep. Part of it was the work Ben made us do. Um, and, and, you know, that's that's all I'm after is getting something real going in a scene so we can get that across to the audience. So, yeah. yeah. Can I say one other thing about Ben? Um, he is, uh, he's directed me and waiting for Godot. I don't know how you guys feel about this, but I was sort of bringing it up as a topic, but I like sort of a director who has a strong hand, meaning this, even if they're the kind of director that Caleb has where they're all asking, they're asking questions. They must for me, have a really clear idea what's behind those questions. They have to have a vision for the show, right? So those questions are directed. That's one reason I like Ben Soda. He works a certain way. When we did Waiting for Godot, he made me pretty much throw out everything that I normally do as far as finding the internal life of the character. I kind of knew that going in because he's a movement guy. But I knew he was going to want me to work from the outside in and uh, uh, create movement and discover. And I did. But that's because he was confident in what he was doing. And even though he doesn't have all the answers always, he is open with you about not having the answers and arriving at them collaboratively, which is another thing I value. But do you guys find that like, I suppose none of us likes a wishy-washy director. No. Yeah, absolutely. No. I think it's important for the director to have a really good sense of the theme of the play and the idea of it that could have multiple ideas. But I think I don't know that it's necessary. I don't. I don't think that I would appreciate having someone, you know, right off the bat tell me what the theme is and this is this is the idea of the play. I'd like to be able to discover that for myself as the actor. Um, but in order for them to be a guide to begin with, they have to know what it is. They have to know what it is that they want out of the show. They have, like you said, they have to have a, a clear vision, and everything that we do in rehearsal has to be has to be conducive to building up to that idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think if a director doesn't have the vision, the production is doomed from the jump. I mean, you got to go into yeah. the first read through with the director has to know, OK, this is what the point of this whole thing is, because otherwise it's like, well, yeah. what are you going to direct us to do? We'll just move to that space and do the action. I mean, like, why are we doing these things? I mean, the director has to know that. And I, yet I've been I've been in circumstances where I'm not sure that was the case, even though it should be essential. Yeah. Well, I think that that's, I think a lot of, you know, theater goers, that's not something that they think about often. It's not, you know, directing is not just, you know, actor one, move over here, actor two, cross. It's, it's very much, it's way less, I would say probably 20% blocking, 80%, you know, work on, on the idea of the show and what, what it is. It depends on who you're working with though. I mean, like I said, there have been a plethora of directors I've worked with. There have been some directors who know exactly what they're looking for, um, and the blocking is a part of the vision. And they expect, you know, the actor to do something with the blocking, right? They they say go to the chair and sit down, but there's got to be something else there other than just going to the chair and sitting down for your character. There's that kind of director. There are other kind of directors where it's like go to the chair and sit down because that's what I see, and well, what do you want me to, you know, what, what am I supposed to do with it? Uh, no, just, just do it. Just go to the chair and sit down. And it's like, okay, I guess. Um, the kind of directors who don't, this is going to sound backwards, but the kind of directors who don't give direction, right? Unfortunately, those kinds of directors do exist. Um, and of course, for actors, it's you, the dream is to have the director who gives the direction, but also allows you to experiment as well. And it's more of a collaborative process rather than an authoritarian process. Um, but sometimes that's what theater is, unfortunately. 
Sure. Communication, I think is a big one. Yeah. Right. You, you, you don't, you do, you want to know why you're moving somewhere or why you're doing something. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think I've definitely worked with some act, directors. I mean, that are, yeah, you, you don't know why you're doing a scene. You go into a scene and you, and you feel like, um, sometimes you think maybe they don't even like me. Why am I even in the show? Uh, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like you're not getting any, like stand over here, look pensive. Uh, <laughs> and you're like, okay, well the lot, the lot, the line can tell me that I already know that's what was going to be here. But then it's like, you know, and then sometimes I, I, I've also had the experience where they, you know, you're working with other, other people. And it seems like the directors are focusing hyper-focused on maybe two or three of the actors in the scene and the other two or three actors in the scene it's sort of like our placeholders. Does that make sense? Right. Um, so, I mean, I, I think we've, we've all been in that perspective probably once or twice in our life and it's not, maybe, maybe they, the, it was the director didn't know what they were doing. Maybe it's, they didn't want to work with you. Maybe it's, they just didn't think your part was as important as, or as critical as those three parts. Who knows? I mean, I don't really know. I think we as actors in our ego probably lead us to think what, it is, you know, so then you try harder to make them see you. Like I want to make sure they see me and then, you know, and notice me as a, as a performance position and really give me some sort of idea that they think I'm doing a good job. I don't know. But I, then as you get older, I think sometimes you just go, screw it. I'm going to do, if you're not going to give me any kind of directions, I'm going to try and do the best I can and parallel the other actors in the scene and, you know, and make it feel like I'm at least giving them something to play off of and, and do as best a job as I can. I don't know. You know, to me, impl but, implicit uh, in the term direction to piggyback off what you said is communication, right? Like to me, I can put up with a lot of faults. If you, again, communicate with me, I don't expect, I want ideally a director to have the answer to every question I have. And I have a lot during a show, but I also know realistically that is not really a possibility. That's fine. If you communicate with me like Ben did, gee, I don't know. Let me think on it. We'll try this tomorrow. I'm great with that. But I'm also like, I'm a human being, right? So like I need to know like a child when I'm doing well and when I'm doing bad. So if I do something bad that you don't like, you can direct me on that. And if I do something you like, you maybe need to tell me and reinforce that. So I continue to do it or perhaps even grow and expand that moment. But I have worked with directors more than one who choose either through personality or whatever to focus, focus on the negative or don't dole out the positives. And to me, that is, uh, doesn't work for me as well, because again, I do have to understand what I'm doing well because I cannot watch myself, right? That's one of the tenets of directing. That's why partly why we have them. You cannot watch yourself adequately. I don't give a damn if people do it in movies and stuff. They just recorded themselves and watch. So that's a different medium, but for theater, very difficult. So for me, communication is it's not everything in directing. I ask a lot of directors because it is one of the biggest, if not the biggest single job in theater, but you got to communicate. You must communicate. And if you don't, then I think, um, uh, you know, maybe you want to revise or look at how you work. I think a similar situation to that was my first show that I ever did was the Christmas Carol that Jason and Steve, you were in. Um, and the thing I liked about, I mean, it was my first time acting uh, in a theatrical performance like that. And I think the th Mindy was Mindy Penn was the director. And the thing I liked about Mindy was that she would she would give me and dole out the things I was, you know, not she that she couldn't see like she wanted improvement from. But she also had those moments where she like, man, Mike, that was really great. You know, I really like what you did there. Keep it up. You know, and those that slight moment of just like positivity was enough for me to go. Oh, thank God. You know, I'm doing something. I was young. I was inexperienced. I thought everything I was doing was wrong because I was surrounded by other people who've been doing this forever. 
And so for me to being the young actor, it was nice to have a director go like, really enjoyed that, Mike, really liked what you were doing. And I was also looking for those moments where, you know, it was like, you know, that I, I'm not so sure about that moment and here's why. Like, obviously in any sort of situation, I teach, I know it now. So like any situation, there's gotta be that moment of criticism and experiential learning. But I do like, I do enjoy those moments where it's like the positivity is accentuated, where the director goes, really like what you did there. If you want to mix it up by all means, but, you know, keep in mind what you did. I really like that. Yeah. And I don't, I, I agree. I like the positive reinforcement, but I, I would personally as, and this is probably just me as an actor, but I would, it would probably bother me more for someone to say, I really like what you did there. Keep it up than for them to not say anything at all because what they didn't, they weren't specific. What exactly was it that worked for you? Because I know what I did, but what about what I did? What specific thing that I did worked? Mm. Um, because I did a lot of things just now. You know, what, what specifically were you referring to? I, as long as they're specific and that goes on in the inverse, if they're, if they're being critical about something that I did, the actor's responsibility is to know what you did so as long as the director is able to be specific, then I value that feedback more than just the general, I like what you did there, keep it up. I've had that type of direction before as well and there's those comments and I, I, don't, I can't do anything with them. To me, I, I don't know what to do with that other than understand all that I've just done. I mean, sure, you can take it and say, yeah, in general, everything that you just did worked. But to me, I, I, I have more... Uh, I place more value on specific um, direction than I do on the general. Uh, you know, I agree. And I think it goes back to the massive job of directing, right? You got to know you have, you have to have all these great ideas about the play casting all this. You also have to know how to read people, right. And play to their strengths. Right. If I was directing you, Caleb, I would know that you like to be challenged and I would not that I wouldn't give you compliments, but I'd keep it. I'd make sure that you were challenged constantly because that seems to be what you feed on. Some people don't or are less experienced like Mike, right? Um, and may need more, I, I hate the word, but stroking or complimenting, you know what I mean? But I'm just wanna throw this out. This is my stupid philosophy. I should save it for my affirmations, but it's this. Like I've worked regular jobs and I've seen what a simple thank you or attaboy or good job does to people. It can really lift them yeah. up because they don't hear it on the regular for some reason. I don't know why. Um, and I, I, I believe the same thing is true with acting, that a little bit of complimenting can go a long way towards making you enthusiastic for the show, making you work harder, making you want to uh, rise up to everybody, you know, and, and that's part of the buy-in of directing as well. So, Yeah, I, I agree. I think that one of the ways that that could potentially be realized as a director would be then to, and that this has happened to me several times, Tom was really good about doing this. Um, and I've had several other directors do this as well. They just be, you know, they'll comment and they won't, they won't be specific, but they will say, um, and this, this part I have perfectly no issue with. It's just, I see the, I see the work you're doing and I appreciate that the work that you're putting in that, that to me, I appreciate that. It's, it doesn't warrant specificity. Uh, but it's an acknowledgement of the work that you're doing. And I, yeah, I agree. I, I agree completely that that uh, positive reinforcement goes a long way. And I, I also think too, um, sometimes of seeing, um, sometimes you can't like in Mike's case, when he's doing like a show like Christmas Carol, you know, Mindy's also probably in those rehearsals working with like 25 actors in a, in a sequence, you know, she may not see every single thing that's happened that time. So sometimes 
in a, in a situation like that, I feel like as a director, if you're doing a show that has like 35 actors, you know, sometimes you, all you can give is like, I really like what you're doing in that scene. Keep it going. You know, but if you're doing a show that has three actors, obviously the detail can get, definitely get more in it. Uh, but Steve, I completely agree with you sometimes. Yeah. Just a little bit of a, keep up the good work, uh, keep pushing that scene, keep driving, you know, whatever you want to use, it goes a long way. You're right. Cause if you're doing a scene, you rehearse for like three or four days and you're in there for like four actors and the other three have been getting those comments the whole time. And you're just like, do I, am I even here? I mean, what am I doing something right? You know? And then, but you, sometimes for me, there were times, especially when I was living in Chicago, I was afraid to ask, like I'm sitting there going, well, you know, I don't have the same kinship with these people that some of these other actors do. Do I say, Hey man, what, what's going on in the scene or is this working or you no, know, sometimes I think you're nervous too. And sometimes if you're working around, like maybe you're working around somebody who's semi-professional or like a higher level actor at the same time, you're kind of like, Oh my God, like, uh, am I doing good compared to this person? You don't know, you know? And so I think there's also that kind of anxiety too. And I think as director and it's something that, I mean, listen, I'm a learning every time I direct something I'd learn from the last project I've done before, you know? And, there are times when I feel like I'm more confident in doing a show. There's sometimes I feel like I do a show that I go, Oh my God, how did I end up getting this directing gig? Like it doesn't make any sense. Um, you know, like the, the works, I'm not as passionate about the play as much as I am something else. So I think, I mean, it just all depends, but yeah, I mean, I try to make sure I'm engaging the actors in that perspective too, you know, cause I know that I like to be engaged. I like to at least let them know that I'm listening and I'm watching what they're doing. I laugh when they make a joke. So they know I'm listening. I make sure that I go, Ooh, yeah. You know, I sound like I'm in it, like, you know, like, you know, watching a movie, like, Oh, get it. Ooh, wow. You know, I'm, I'm trying to be there so they can get a feel of what it is like they're having an audience so they could have some reaction because an actor needs a reaction. Cause you know, that's part of what you're doing. You're hoping to get some kind of feel off of it. I got a little brief story, if I may, about this whole thing about making you, you know, paying attention to everybody in a show. But when I was in grad school, we did a production of Hamlet um, and brought in this guy, Paul Giovanni. He's famous. He wrote Crucifer of Blood, the play. And anyway, famous. Um, But anyway, um, he came in and fantastically talented. And uh, the Paris Pete played Hamlet. I wanted to be Horatio so bad, but I blew the audition. And what did I get? Fortinbras at the end of Hamlet. That's the end of five acts of Hamlet. For anybody at home listening doesn't know, Fortinbras comes in at the end, surveys the wreckage, has a big speech at the end, and that's it for Fortinbras, right? So that was all I had. I I don't know how long they rehearsed. I had like a week of rehearsal for Fortinbras. But I came in and he worked with me, not tons of time, but gave me minutes on my Fortinbras monologue and what was going on. And by the end of my few days of rehearsing, I thought I was as important as Hamlet. He had me so bought in. He said, this is really the big, you know, you're the last person on stage. And in Shakespeare, the highest ranking person left usually has this last speech. So that's you. And you got to, you know, and everybody did all this work. So you got to wrap this thing up. And like, I felt like, you know, And I was just this little guy who had one speech at the end. So it's incredibly important to me that, like Jason said, that you, if you're directing a large cast, especially make sure, because everybody's telling the story. You know what I mean? Everybody's contributing. I'm sorry. It's the truth. And if, you know, if a couple links in that chain are not good, Jason knows if you're directing, it's not good to the overall product. So that's why I'm kind of emphatic about the the, the complimenting a little bit in the buy-in, you know? Yeah. Well, what are some things that specifically you guys would rather not have in a director? 
Yeah, what's the ultimate sin? The one that tells you to go there, and then I say, why? Or why, do you, <laughs> why would you like that? And he goes, I just feel like that's the right thing to do. And I'm like, thanks. Tell me Mike, that, Mike, that was only like a couple of times. I told you to like, chill out. <laughs> no, it's just, you know, I understand. Like, so it, for those who, for those listening who don't know, there's this process called blocking that happens early on in rehearsals. And blocking is where rather than focusing on the motive, like the emotion or, you know, the character development of the show, we're talking about, okay, let's just physically nail down the show, get this character to move there, have this interaction occur over here on these couple lines, the things like that. Part of blocking is simply to visualize where characters are going to be at certain moments for certain scenes and things like that. But also part of blocking should be, in my opinion, okay, if my character is going to go pick up the phone, why is the character doing that, right? And I've had directors where they totally go, okay, I, th- I see the character picking up the phone because X, right? And I'm like, awesome. I was thinking something similar. I was thinking something different. And let me tell you why. But I've also had directors go, well, you've got to pick up the phone. So go pick it up. It's like, I realize I got to do that, but like, do you have a sensibility as to why that is? And they're like, well, you got it. The script says so. Because I told so. Told okay. you so. Yep. Yeah, right. Because I told you so. And it's like, thank you for just following along the script. I'm glad you're in this position of power. So, I mean, again, that's, that's not happened. In more cases, I've had a director who knows the reasoning behind why they make choices that they're making. But I've had instances where it's like, I'm not getting much here. Um, and I can start building my character from my perspective, but I think what's just as important is the director has a vision for my character, has reasonings for making the character move certain ways, you know, all those things that go into directing. So the sin, I think, in that instance is just following along with the script and being like, well, the script says to do it, so do it. Yeah, I, I like um, throwback to to our conversation with Milton. One of the things that he he mentioned was that Stanislavski stopped blocking plays, and I like the reason for that because he said that the movement, ought, the actor's movement ought to come from the circumstances and impulses that the play that the play gives you and feeds the actor. And I totally agree. And not saying that we need to stop blocking plays necessarily, but there ought to be purpose in the movement. You can't just go to the cross to the phone and, you know, pick it up and sit down. It's, there has to be life in that. Otherwise it's just an actor walking to the phone, picking it up and sitting down, not the character. There's no storytelling there. There is storytelling and movement. And so that has to be clear. I, I, you know, I, I found that part really intriguing about the Stanislavski thing too, um, that he was talking about in that Milton episode. Um, because I was thinking about that the other day too. Um, that's, that's a great theory and I get where Stanislavski was coming with, but also at that point too, I think Stanislavski was probably working with actors that could trust their instincts. Does that make sense? They could trust yeah. to, to reach a point. Um, it, blocking is still super important because you never know where you're going to be directing a gig. And I'm just speaking of this from a director's perspective or as an actor too, you could be working in a, you know, a theater where a lot of the people in, in the room aren't experienced. You know, they're doing it because right. they love theater, but they don't have maybe the training or the, t- or like all those levels. Right. So some actors don't know where to go. You'll, you know, you can read the scene. There could be five actors in the scene. Two of them know where to go. And you as a director can watch and say, okay, I'll use Mike and Caleb. I'll just say, Mike, Mike, Mike's standing over here and I could see why he's doing it. And Caleb's kind of over here. I can see why he's doing it. But the other three don't know where to go. You know, they're just sort of lost and they're expecting someone to tell them where to go. Um, So I think the Stanislavski method would be great because I think if you had enough great actors at some point on a stage, I'd love to see, like, I bet if you put like three or four masters on stage, yeah. 
but that would also require that they could equally trust each other implicitly to, to do the right movements, you know, and still um, land and overshadow anybody else. Cause you know, the ego is going to kick in where somebody says, well, I should be standing in not, you shouldn't be upstage with me because blah, 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 blah. You know? So I think blocking yet, yeah, I, I agree. Listen, I've done shows where I, I want as little blocking as possible. Then I've done shows where like, I feel like I've overly blocked the thing. Um, and Mike can tell you, I'm notorious for this. Um, sometimes two weeks, <laughs> After we're in rehearsal, I don't like the blocking. I can look at it and go, why did I do this? Why are these three actors standing over here now? This makes no sense. We have got to re-block this sequence. It looks terrible. Um, you know, which I'm fine with. I've, I've been in shows where that's happened before, where you look at and you're getting to the point, and you as an actor even know this is the stupidest thing. Why are we standing over here? This doesn't make any sense. And I think a good director or somebody who's out there will have the, you know, the idea to go, we got to change this. Whereas... Some directors would be like, no, nah, it's working. I can see you. You're on stage. The lights are hitting you. What's wrong? You can't make this scene work. And you're like, okay, okay, whatever. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. the specific moment of that, Jason, that you're talking, well, that I can think of is in Boeing when we had that chase sequence at mm. um, Act 3 with me and Brooks, who played mm -hmm. Robert's character. There was this moment where uh, we sort of get fed up with each other and we have this tussle that occurs. And it the way it began in rehearsals is totally different than the one that ended performances or that was in yeah. performances. And I think we were changing that thing up till like three nights before opening. Probably so. But I, but I appreciated that because for a while we had this idea of what the thing was um, consistently noticing that it wasn't working perfectly. And then you as director were like, okay, we need to change this up. It needs to be something different. And I was like, I agree. And then we got to something that I think worked much better and improved the entire moment. Um, so I like a director who can do that, who can go, you know, my initial thoughts weren't correct. Let's try something else. Um, because like you said, there are some directors who probably think like, oh, it's the actors who aren't getting it correctly. And it's like, well, let's yeah. take a moment to see if it's actually the actors or if it's something that we can fix ourselves. Sure. Yeah. I'm trying to think of what the, <clears throat> for me, a cardinal sin is I like acting so much that I, like, even with the bad directors I've had, I still end up, you know, having some fun. But, uh, one is I've, I've worked yeah. with directors who were checked out. So that's not good. That really weren't present. Uh, you know, it happens. Uh, not good. Um, lack of communication is a big one for me. But one thing that's happened to me, unfortunately, is uh, I've been in a lot of shows where directors knew that I would do the work that was necessary to me. So they basically pay no attention at all to me. I've literally done whole rehearsal periods where I got like three notes. And that's fine once or twice in your life. But when it happens repeatedly, it's a little bit like, you know, like I appreciate your faith in me, but like I am still a working actor like you, Caleb. I like being challenged and don't just uh, like it's really like, you know, because usually there's somebody else in the cast who needs more help. Uh, not in these instances that I'm speaking of. And uh, yeah, so anybody, if you can spread the love around for me, that's a thing that I like. But uh Again, and also, I don't know if any of you, and I, I, no names, um, but it also happens, audience at home, because we're dealing with human beings. Sometimes you just get a director who is a literal jackass and is so offensive or in such a bad state in their life that they either have to be replaced or something has to happen for the show to go on. And I have worked in a couple shows where the director's been replaced. So don't know if that's happened to y'all, but it's happened to me. I've, I've directed shows where they've had to replace the director. Uh, I've, I've, I've literally come on three times. I count three times when I've joined on as a director 
did I did I did I don't think I cast. I only cast like half the show, maybe. Sorry. Uh, at first, at first, then, I uh, thought you meant. I, at first, yeah. I thought you meant you were the director. <laughs> I've been <laughs> replaced. Wow, dude. No, 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 no. No, I mean, luckily that's never happened. Um, but no, I mean, literally, I've had it happen three times where I've come in to direct something, almost like a journeyman director, where it's like twice where I didn't cast a show, and once like a week, a week maybe before the audition. Uh, had never read the show, like had to read it and be like, okay, what is this show about? Um, but I, I agree with you, Steve, too. I was going to actually think about that. I, um, yeah, there, there's a few times where I, I've, yeah, worked with directors where it's like, yeah, I've done scenes where it's like, yeah, I've got no notes the whole time. And I really was just hired to play a part because I, and there's a typical part I always play. I always end up playing like the fat, funny friend, the goofy sidekick goes to Christmas present. I mean, I make a joke, but that's like, it's like the role I was born to play. Uh, if you meet me, that's sort of everybody. So those type of roles I always get. And I've been put in parts where it's like, okay, we know what Jason can do. Just do it. Yeah. I maybe get no, no conversation by anybody, nothing until maybe tech week in the, when the show opens and then the show opens and then I get all these notes from the stage manager. I was like, you know, I didn't know I was supposed to be doing any of these things. <laughs> because nobody ever told me, well, you shouldn't stand over there. Why are you standing over there? That was what the director told me to stand. Okay, whatever. You know. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been at that point too. I get it. It happens. I think my number one pet peeve then would be, and I'm surprised this hasn't actually come up with any of you guys yet. But line readings, um, I just, I I can't stand them. I I don't know. I don't know of an actor that does uh, like them. But I just recently became privy to this this term. Um, I didn't know exactly what to call it, but now that there's a term for it, an effect direction, you know, play it angry, you know, play it fast, you know, slow it down, things like that. You know, giving the actor an effect to play. It's like a line reading is the ultimate version of that because you are telling the actor, this is how I want it to sound. Do it just like this. It robs the actor of that creative agency. And so that's, I, that's why I hate it. And, you know, we can talk all day long about the, you know, the tone and, you know, pacing and things like that, you know, with, with a monologue or a line and things like that. But the moment you tell me how you, the moment you read it, the way you want it to be heard, I, I, I check out. I'm going to play devil's, I'm going to play devil's advocate on that one time. Uh, Listen, there, there are some times when I, this is because from a director's perspective that you have given an actor so many chances to get something right. And it doesn't work unless that person delivers it a certain way. Does that make sense? Like, and I feel like maybe that's because maybe you're working with an actor that just doesn't, they're not comfortable enough. They're not confident enough, or maybe they're just not strong enough an actor and you don't find out till too late. I have had those moments where I've had to give somebody and say, you have to say it like this. If you don't come in and say it like this, the next four people's lines won't make any sense. You have to deliver it like this. I have actually done that and I, and I hated doing it, but it, it was like one of those scenarios where it's like, if I don't do this and this person doesn't get this through their head, this scene's not going to work unless this is done. Does that make sense? That seems to me like a, a situation where you, you know, they're, not smart actors, so to speak, or, or an actor yeah. at all. Some someone that is not exploring options that is, you know, not continuously trying to build that, that to me, 
would probably be the only time it, that that decision would be warranted. And I, I completely agree with what you're saying on that. But Just to follow up on what Caleb said for people, the audience members at home, like you, if a director asks you to play in a general emotion or an effect like anger, uh, I used to teach this in my class, right? I'd have, I'd have students say, play anger. They'd be like, I can do that. I'm like, well, wait a minute. Like there's the anger you have when the soda machine gobbles your money. And then there's the anger you have when somebody runs into your brand new car. There's the anger you have when you're mad at your boyfriend. It's all, it's, it's too unspecific for you at home to say, play anger. It's not a true thing. We as humans don't have generalized anger. You may sit there at home and say, yeah, I do. Well, stop and think about it. There's a reason you're angry. If you, if you do have generalized anger, I would suggest you pursue therapy. So um, we have to be specific in theater. Which and to build off of that as well, and this is this is for you know the playwrights in our audience, and I know Don Baker would you know is going to love this, but like when you're when you're reading a play and the script has in italics and in parentheses before a line a general emotion or some sort of direction, some sort of stage direction that that infers the way to say or play a line irks me you can you can have general specifics like uh, that's well that that was an oxymoron <laughs> you can have you can have general things that you can you can describe as a way of directing the you know the tone of a scene but to say specifically that this line is delivered angrily or shouting that's that to me is you know i'm i'm going to ignore that I just, I, I, if I find that organically, then I find it organically, but I'm not going to try and make that decision based off what the playwright has specifically said, because that's what they saw in their head. Um, to me that I've never, I've never liked, you know, those little italic parentheses effects before line. One thing I'd like to ask Kevin at some future point is I was taught that a lot of the stage directions and for again people at home these things in italics that we're talking about which could be a setting it could be an emotion as Caleb said it could be a variety of sort of implicit directions that are in a script but I was taught that you know a lot of those you don't know where they came from. They could be notes that the stage manager took from the original production, or it could have been written by the playwright himself. Mm -hmm. Know what I'm saying? And so when they're in there, mm -hmm. I've always been taught to teach, take them with a grain of salt, but I don't know if that's really the case anymore. You know what I'm saying? And I'm talking about by the time it gets to its published state, you know what I mean? Um, sure. So I wonder about that. I'd, I'd like to ask Kevin about that again at some point. Yeah, that is fascinating. I just, I, I'm currently working on writing a piece, and as an actor, I'm now using minimal punctuation. You know, based on our conversation with with Milton, I'm probably gonna I'm I'm doing two drafts of it. I'm doing one draft for people you know, that I can send to playwrights so that it's a little bit more, you know, you know, grammar grammarly correct or whatever. Um, it has you know proper syntax and punctuation and, and all that stuff. But <laughs> what? I'm laughing at Mike. <laughs> Grammatically. Grammatical. Grammatically. I, knew that's yeah. what I, right. I know. <laughs> An English major over here. <laughs> I knew but. he was going to make a comment about that. <laughs> I was just listening. I don't know what you're talking about, Jason. Any, anyway. I can see your face. I've got like two editions of it right now. I've got one that's like, I guess you could consider the actor's edition where it doesn't even say, you know, this actor over here is reacting 
doesn't specify how this character is reacting, but it's just in italics and parentheses, this character reacts to the, the line or whatever. Um, I think that to me is way more valuable and useful than a specific reaction that a playwright tries to give an actor. Now, this is a side though. Would it depend on the writer though? So say if you had a script that you got and it was from say a well-known playwright that is just obviously a, a person who's on top of their game and they had sort of this sort of like emotional direction, how would you feel as an actor taking it from like something that they've written? Does that make sense? Like you got a script from say Aaron Sorkin or you got sure. a script, you know, like one of these guys that you know is sort of top tier, great writer, you know, award-winning, would you still have the same sort of qualms you would have? Um, I, w- I would. Sort of, okay. As Yeah. Okay. As if if the emotion or whatever it is that they want to specify, if, if I can find that myself organically and it just happens to be exactly what they were looking for, awesome. But it has to be mine. Sure. I'm not disagreeing with you. I was just wondering. That was just a question. Because I completely agree with you. Sometimes I look at that sort of thing. Like if it says take a beat or take a pause, that's one thing. Because that's just taking a moment. Which that actually sort of lends its sort of, yeah, those emotions. But I agree when it says like angrily or, you know, it's like, it's like, okay, what if my character, I don't feel like I'm angry enough to be angry at this moment. doesn't make any sense, you know? Yeah. 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 Those, those are things that I think directors will look at. And as not all directors, you know, smart directors won't, but. Um, some, some directors I think do, they'll, they'll look at the stage directions or whatever the playwright has in there and they'll be like, Oh, we need to, we need to do this because this is what it says. Sure. I I can tell you for me, I I don't, I I think it's because I've acted so much before I started directing. I hate stage directions. I hate that stuff. It's just like, I want to see what the actors bring to the table first before I even start like putting it together. Yeah. Well, I think that's a, that's an interesting distinction then too, because the, there's a difference between a director's director and an actor's director. We could probably touch on that a little bit for those that don't, that aren't familiar. Define it, define it sure. for me. I mean, I think I know what you mean, but go ahead and define it a little better. Well, I mean like, you know, an actor's director is someone that knows, you know, that they are an actor themselves and are familiar with the work that goes into acting. And so they are familiar with the pet peeves. They're familiar with the things and the process of building a character and building a backstory and understanding the given circumstances of a play. And they, they know all of these things so that their direction, the way that they direct is not necessarily straight out of the director's textbook. It's, it's way more, um, I don't want to say conducive, but it's, uh, I think caters to the actor. Yeah, more. caters. Yeah, that's a good word. A good word. It caters more to the actor than it does, you know, a director textbook, so to speak. Which I, you know, I've I've taken some some directors' courses as well. You know, I I did. This is a totally different medium, but Ron Howard has a masterclass on directing, and it's that's specifically film. But there are certain things that he does in there that are that would translate well to theater. But he is very much a director's director. Um, even though he's been an actor, he's he's very anal about certain things, and then not about other things. But it's it's he's very much technical in the way that he directs, and not so much um, an actor's director. I think yeah, and for me, I think the distinction too is like somebody who's focused on like like cater to the acting more. 
and sort of, you know, if the set looks nice, that's one thing. If the technical looks good and all that stuff, that that's important. But how does it enhance the acting versus I think a director's director is going to look at as, as, as the whole picture. So everything's going to get a full piece of the pie and they're going to, they're kind of going to approach it. I want this picture to look good all the time. Um, versus for me, it's more like if I'm not buying what the actor's getting to, if it's not entertaining, if it's not driving the story, then I'm kind of, I don't care. Does it make sense? Like, I don't care how good the lighting is. If the lighting's enhancing the acting, that's one thing, but I, I don't want it to feel like a vapid story that I'm watching where there's no life in the characters. That makes sense. Uh, I think this is going to be a gross generalization, but, and I don't know if this might piss off some people, but building off of what you were just saying, Jason, I think that a director's director, you might see direct more musicals and visually focused shows, sure. but then the actor's director is going to you know lean more towards those deeper pieces, pieces that aren't necessarily probably not mainstream sort of thing. And I mean, and I think there are people who are on both sides of it. There's actors, directors that, are not very talented and there's, there's directors, directors that are, you know, I mean, you can be a technical director and still give amazing shows because you've able to get your cast to buy in to what you're doing. And, you know, they believe it wholeheartedly and they're going to give these stellar performances on top of something that looks visually just beautiful. If you dug deep enough, you'd probably be like, okay, well it's, it's kind of thinly veiled. Like it's, it's okay. But the, the concept overall overshadows everything else. And then there's some shows you watch where the acting is so nuanced and so together. I mean, you could feel every emotion going on, but you, you'd be damned if you could actually see some of the people on stage, you know, you're like, like I, I saw a show. I'm just using this example. I saw a show in Chicago that was done inside of an art gallery. And it, um, the, the guy, one of the lead actors was the guy who was like on, Jake from State Farm. You know, there's the character Jake from State Farm. It's a new actor in every ad. This was the first Jake from State Farm. I don't know who the guy who played it, but he was, an, he was the actor in this play. So he was the lead in this character. And it's essentially about like a college, I mean, best way to describe it, like college date rape kind of scenario uh, play or like original piece. It, I could literally see the audience because we're in a, we're in a, you know, an art gallery. So I could see the audience sitting around. It was all in the round. It was a theater in the round. So you could see everybody in there. The lighting wasn't very good, but the performances were so good. Like you were literally bought into it. Cause you were just like, these people were giving everything like the, the emotion. It was raw. It was like, you were like leaning in like, Oh my God, what's going on? Technical aspect, nothing. I mean, there was nothing to it. I mean, they could have had some floodlights and some music playing and had a couple of chairs but clearly was being done by a director that knew the acting is what they wanted to focus on. It's like, we don't have anything else. I don't have any budget for anything else, but I can get great performances out of these stellar actors. And that's what they went for. So, yeah, you know, and I think that's, there's, there are some, and I've worked with, with one specifically um, director that understood that there were certain elements of a play that he needed help with that he wasn't necessarily as strong in some, some areas, like in some of the directing areas, specifically like the actors, stuff like that. And they would have an assistant director specifically for that because they were smart enough to realize that I'm a little, you know, I, I have a little bit of a shortcoming in this particular area. I'm going to have someone else helping collaborate with this because this director, he knew what he wanted to see. It was very, very visual. He knew everything down to the costume, to the, the fight, the, to a fight scene, to how the uh, the music was going to come in, he had everything down. It was 
the little minute things uh, for for actors that he needed a little bit of help with, and they were they were smart enough to bring in someone else for that. And I thought that that was that was really cool. From a co-directing standpoint, too, I mean, an Atlantic State show I can think of was Waiting for Godot, which we mentioned a lot of times on the show, but it was Ben Soda and Kevin Ferguson directing it. Um, mm-hmm. I only sound design it. Steve, you were actually in it, so you could probably speak more to the actual direction of it. But I think Ben was more of like, let's think of the picture here, the movement, the character, you know, character going on. And then Kevin was like mainly the textual analysis guy because Waiting for Godot is such a dense script. I mean, you got to have someone there who can like pick it apart and know what things are going on for certain character things, but. I mean, that's kind of situation where that's such an intimidating piece. It's nice to devy up the work that way. Yeah, usually for me, I, I unfortunately in my career have had three, four, five instances where I was in shows that were co-directed, and usually it is the kiss of death because it's very hard for two mm-hmm. people to do that together. Um, it can be done though. Uh, two of the four or five worked because they the two people could collaborate, but boy, I tell you, if it, if it doesn't work, it can be a mess from hell because you don't have a final say you've got two final says and that's hard to work with. Yeah. And sometimes I think also assistant directors, depending on the job you're doing, I've assistant directed before in shows too. Sometimes you're really just, let's be honest. You're just like a note taker uh, in some ways too, you know, because I mean, you're learning from this person and, and I've, I've, I've had a, the experience of being an assistant director or somebody that, I felt like wasn't a good director. Does that make sense? And you, you were just sitting there the whole time going, why is he giving these people these notes? This is like a, a bad decision, but you're sort of like, do I speak up? Do I say something? And then sometimes you would have actors asking you questions and you sort of had that moment of like, I can't undermine this guy's yeah. direction because I'm going to confuse these at the hell out of these actors. If I tell them, yeah, you probably should do that in that scenario. Yeah. And, um, you know, those that sometimes I agree with Steve. Sometimes, yeah, co-directing. I've only had one experience with two two directors at the same time, and it was not a great experience because they both kind of ended up in an arguments like half the time. Uh, and it was just like you'd stand there as an actor, just sitting around going, "Are we going to do the scene?" I mean, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. So, by the way, by the way, yeah. for you people at home who may not have done theater or just enjoy watching it, if you get in the situation Jason is describing and you're in a show, you're you're in a bad way. If if there is no if there is no set answer and you're getting different answers from two or more different people, you are yep. in a bad way. That is, I've never known that to work yeah. ever. Uh, and it's not something anybody aspires to, but it does happen. And it's uh, oof, bad when it does. I mean, there's, yeah, I, I agree with you, Steven. I think the only, the only other thing that I would, for me is that I've ever been in a scenario for theater is being in a show where it's like you're fighting amongst other actors is almost as a bad experience, but sometimes I feel like as a director, that's can be a problem too. If they can't quelch those scenarios, you know, I've been in shows where, I mean, I think, I don't know if Caleb, I can't remember if he was a part of this show, but I mean, technical people were fighting backstage uh, during a show and you could, you heard it on stage when you were acting and they were, when they were having arguments on stage, you know um, I've literally heard arguments, verbal arguments in a show um, backstage and you're on, you're on stage and you're like, is somebody screaming backstage? Uh, but I've also been in a show too that um, where another actor was physical, hmm. confrontational. Um, and I think we, oh, we've all probably been in shows where it's happened that way. And the director didn't, I feel like didn't, didn't handle it how well. surprising you know? this is to people at home though, because I mean, this stuff does happen. I mean, it, you know, if, you, if yeah. you're in it long enough, it's emotional well, it work. Emotional work. Yeah. You're dealing with human beings. Um, yeah. Human beings have personal and sometimes substance problems. I've been in shows where actors got kicked out for substance yeah. problems. I mean, 
people at home, you know, it's humans. So think of all the problems humans can get into. Yeah. <laughs> oh, here's a story for you. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Quick story. This is an extreme one. There's a guy who did a show in Columbia. And in the middle of the show, he ran out the back door of the theater and they found him later running through the streets of Columbia naked. He was having a psychotic episode um, and, and it just hit him in the middle of the oh, show. Man. And so, you know, the show obviously stopped. But yeah, yeah, he he totally flipped out. And again, nothing against him, but for people at home, it's, it, it's humans and we have lives. Um, so was that because of the director? <laughs> I can't take this, this poor man. I didn't know him, but I, I heard the story from many people. But poor guy was hallucinating. He 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 thought he thought people mm. were after him and stuff. That's why he was running down the streets. You know, same. But uh, you know, up to that point in the show, he had been fine during rehearsals and performance. So you just don't know. I mean, I've never had I've never had that scenario happen. I've been punched in the back of the head though on stage from an actor on purpose. Yeah. Punch me in the back of the head on purpose. They hit me in the back of the head, square in the back Whoa. of the head. Yeah. Cause they thought Whoa. I was uh, stealing a scene that was uh, overacting. So they popped me or punched me right in the back of the head and they kept going wow. with their scene and like stage manager saw it. Director saw it. And they both kind of had a moment of like, did that just happen on stage? And two of the other actors on the same set with me looked at, looked, kind of were looking at me in the face. Like, did that just happen? <laughs> and I oh like had a moment, just kept going until intermission hit. And then it was like, couldn't explain why. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a, that that's a whole such, story. I could go on for 25 minutes about that story. If you want me to, <laughs> that is the most cowardly form of, Oh my God. Cause you know, he, that person knew that you had to continue with the scene. You couldn't do anything and react right there. That's, that's by the way, I, I had one director. I had the guy fired. This was a many years ago when I was in college. Um, he was, he was being an ass. We were doing uh, the matchmaker and he, uh, we were about two weeks in, two and a half weeks in. He was being a jerk anyway, but he was working with one of my my other acting idols who was an older guy, and uh, he didn't like the way this physical part of the scene was going, so he decided to demonstrate what he wanted from a punch, even though he had no real combat experience. Anyway, he whomped my buddy right in the head, gave him a goose egg the size of a, a golf ball. Next day, he was gone. Even though it was, you, you could contend it was an accidental hit, it was irresponsible and negligent. Um, so they got rid of them. Yeah. Was that union? I could only yeah, it was, imagine. It was a professional summertime theater. I don't know what the guy did. We all hated him. So we're just glad he was gone. And like Jason said, somebody had to come in direct last two, two weeks of the production and get it, you know, right. So uh, yeah, that was exciting. Anyway, I think we hit that pretty good for an initial blast at it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I agree. We should have Don on here at some point. Yeah, thank you, Don, for making that suggestion. Thank you, Don Baker, if you, if you happen to yeah. listen to this, and we will have you on at some point. But I'm glad we uh, uh, busted this conversation out, and uh, I think it gives us—I think it's uh, fertile ground for later too, because the relationship between director and actor is just something that's uh, constantly evolving. And if we get uh, other actors and directors in, perhaps they'll want to talk about it too. So I certainly appreciate the conversation. Well, I'm sure Don has 20 more questions now from hearing this conversation. Sure. Uh, now, now he's just got ha like double the list now that we've done this. Right. All right. Well, I guess we're going to wrap it up here, everybody. Thanks for uh, giving us a listen here. We're talking about the relationship of acting to directing. And thanks for checking in to the Long Monday podcast once again. So for Mike Kane, uh, Jason Adams, Caleb Salibi, and myself, Steve Harley, thank you so much for listening. And check us out again on our next topic of conversation. Bye now. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Thank you.